Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. KFI AM uh, 640. Uh, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And if you've missed any part of the show, uh, it is available on demand on the iHeartRadio app. And a couple of stories that we are covering. Uh, there is a new prime minister in England, Rishi uh, Sunak. And he's the first person of color uh, to have that uh, position. Governor Newsom. Now it's Governor Newsom who's gone on record. Gil Sadia and Kevin DeLeon out. Resign. Uh, which uh, Kevin DeLeon refuses. Gil Sadia is sort of academic because he's out in a couple of months. Now. Uh, I want to, at this point, uh, tell you I was wrong. Uh, And I don't often admit that I was wrong because it's like a knife into my heart. But this one, I was wrong. When it came to the argument of closing down the schools or opening them up as to the time, uh, I kept on pushing and agreeing with the health authorities saying the public health is way more important uh, than kids getting COVID. And uh, school districts across the country shut down, uh, and uh, public health authorities said you have to shut down. Well, it turns out that um, in many cases, uh, the schools and the public health authorities and the school districts were just wrong. Uh, They're now starting to look back at what's uh, going on. And it looks like the harmful effects of extended uh, pandemic school closures have really hurt the kids, more so than educators thought. And uh, educators, some of them, and parents are having real regrets. And uh, they're questioning decisions in cities across the U.S. L.A. Unified, for example, kept kids out of school for a long time. And so in cities across the country, uh, keeping kids online after clear evidence emerged that schools uh, weren't COVID super spreaders, and especially uh, months after adult vaccines became wildly available and kids just didn't spread uh, COVID. Matter of fact, you look at the stats and the number of kids who died of COVID, it's a handful relative to the number of adults who died. And here are the fears. And it seems to be legitimate as uh, the evidence is coming out. There simply are fears for the future of kids who didn't catch up, will never catch up, and here's the risks. Never learning to read. I mean, never learning to read, which of course means dropping out of school. That happens almost automatically. 
they will never master algebra, uh, putting science and tech fields out of reach. And this translates into a couple of things. When you're way below the national standard, what happens? You don't go to college. What happens? You're stuck in many careers uh, that just don't work. Uh, Even technical careers. I mean, if you're going to go into, for example, solar, right? Uh, And looking at solar, maybe installation you're going to learn, but, you know, there's testing, there's reading. Uh, You have to, uh, uh, you know, assume uh, and uh, you have to uh, basically learn the technology, which means reading and reading tech stuff too. And let's go beyond that. Crippling the U.S. economy in the long run. And uh, while there is some disagreement, the studies, the science looks like this really did hurt. I mean, the scale of the problem is uh, bigger uh, than we first thought. Uh, in interview, uh, interviews that were done, L.A. Times uh, interviewed nearly 50 school leaders, teachers, parents, health officials. And uh, the majority, 48 uh, warned uh, against or said we made a decision. Only two said, even in hindsight, uh, we made the right decision based on the information. And you never catch up. It's like one of the things I have with that gap years. You know, I, as important as it is, you get out of high school, you spend a year buzzing around. You know, uh, the other students go right into college, university, or whatever training. They're a year behind. And uh, I look at it with people that I went to law school with, and they came into law firms, for example, a year or two years behind. They never catch up long term, unless you're a superstar, but you're always a year or two years behind. And you're always a year or two years behind for your entire career. What happened when COVID hit us? Uh, scientists didn't really understand how it spread and whether or not it was harmful to children, but that came out pretty quickly. American schools, like most around the world, shuttered, just shut down. And the issue is, when did they reopen? And you had different school districts, and the push for reopening, and this got really interesting, and I was adamant about this. Who wanted to reopen schools? Well, Uh, primarily or in uh, terms of numbers, more so uh, Republicans, Trump supporters. Uh, You had, uh, they wanted to reopen immediately. Uh, You had uh, even uh, African-American populations wanted to go back to school, didn't trust the government, didn't trust the vaccine based on the history of racism. And it goes back to the Tuskegee experiments. I mean, that seems to be a a very big thing, even though it happened uh, a long time ago. So now it's hindsight. Should we have opened the school sooner? Looks that way. Looks like students have really been nailed big time. uh, Because online learning just isn't the same. You don't have teachers that are there overseeing the course, uh, looking at students who are distracted and going, Johnny, come on, you know, look down at, you know, read the book, take your notes. Don't go, uh, you know, flipping uh, through your uh, TikTok posts. So uh, I was wrong. 
I had pushed for closing the schools for a longer time. And I didn't have kids in grade school or high school when this thing hit. So, uh, you know, my kids weren't particularly affected. But had they been uh, with online learning, it would have been tough. It would have been tough. A lot of people getting nailed on this. That's a shame. Now, what's going on in Pasadena? And this was not a city that I thought would adopt rent control. I mean, I thought it'd be the last city, although more and more cities are doing exactly that. There is a measure in November, Prop 8, in Pasadena. Now, it, it, the way propositions work, these initiatives, uh, is that uh, the people have the right to pass laws that then become law, vote in propositions. And uh, this is uh, bypassing the legislatures, in this case the city councils, uh, because, well, frankly, people don't trust government to do what uh, the citizens want. So... You're able to kick up your own proposition. And we've got a bunch of 29, 27, 30 uh, that are happening here. We'll be covering those big time over the next couple of weeks. So uh, next month, November, uh, Pasadena voters decide rent control, yes or no, would limit the annual rent increases. And, of course, supporters and opponents. I mean, this is big time. A lot of money is being spent in Pasadena. Supporters say rent control will stop the uh, double-digit rent hikes that are just killing people. And uh, the opponents are saying, hey, small owners of apartment buildings uh, and homes uh, that are rented out will simply be out of business. Uh, I mean, they literally will lose their property. They can't afford it. Can't afford the, uh, the mortgage. Can't afford the maintenance. None of that. Now, how about the city council? Totally neutral. They have not gone one way or the other on this, which I kind of find interesting. Uh, here's a stat. 50%, 57% of households in Pasadena rent. Uh, a lot of renters are facing, like the rest of the country, enormous financial pressures. A very uncertain future. I mean, this is miserable stuff. This is, I think, part of the reason why uh, the Republicans are going to do as well as they're going to do uh, coming up uh, next month in a couple of weeks. Uh, why? Well, because uh, the, the economy and inflation is the number one killer right now that voters are most concerned about. And uh, which party is in power? Exactly, the Democrats, which means you blame the Democrats. And the same thing happens the other way. If the Republicans were in power, if there was a Republican president and Republican Congress and inflation was happening, which I think would happen anyway, then they would get nailed and you would see a big switch in the House and probably the Senate. So uh, Prop 8, Measure H actually, not Prop, they call a city uh, propositions, as in quotes, are measured would limit annual rent increases to 75% of the local consumer price index. That's how you measure inflation. If the local price index is, let's say, 7%, well, 75% of that would be allowed as a rent increase, which is still pretty healthy, but not as healthy as the rent increases are now. I get calls constantly on Saturday on Handle on the Law, and people ask, they've just, uh, my, my landlord just increased my rent 8%, 10%, 15%. Is that legal? 
And the first thing I ask, well, you can't go above 10%, but the first thing, because California law, but the first thing I ask is, do you live in a place that is rent controlled? And then there's the answer. Uh, if the answer is no, no rent control, they're allowed to raise it 10% per year. If not, if there is rent control, then you're limited by whatever the rent control is. City of Los Angeles, uh, pretty stiff stuff. I mean, it's 2 3% annually. And uh, it's uh, at this point, uh, we still have rent control. In other cities around Southern California, too, Santa Monica has strict rent control. Uh, rent control. Uh, but they're even talking about increasing uh, the rent control protections. And so it's high, high rental costs that are killing many people. Now, the rule of thumb, great, uh, by the way, uh, nice history with that statement. The rule of thumb is no more than 30% of your income should be paid for rent or mortgages. That sort of has gone. Lenders, for example, used to that used to be uh, literally the Bible as far as uh, giving a mortgage. I mean, more than thirty percent, it was done. That was gospel. Well, those days disappeared only because people pay a lot more. Uh, city officials uh, in Pasadena say that over half. 50% of uh, 56% of residents are paying more than the 30%. In some cases, a lot more. So tenant organizations are pushing Pasadena City Council to pass rent control. Didn't happen. And they've done it for years. It hasn't worked. Uh, they tried and failed to qualify for the ballot in 2018. That didn't work. And as I said, uh, on this measure, Measure H, uh, the city council is just not saying a word. They're uh, totally neutral. California, you think as liberal as this state is, and it's probably, and it's, I, I think it's fair to say it's the most, uh, the most liberal state in the uh, United States. Uh, we have rejected rent control in the past. There was a rent control Prop 10 uh, recently. Uh, that failed by nearly 19 percentage point, and that was only 2018. Another statewide uh, proposition uh, failed in 2020. They just couldn't get it. Well, state law says no more than 10%, but that's still astronomical. So Pasadena is saying 75% of uh, the inflation rate. And why are uh, these rent control laws spreading in California? Well, it's obvious. And so what cities? Uh, Pomona, Bell Gardens have passed up in the Bay Area, Antioch. Uh, they've adopted new rent control laws, proposals uh, in Santa Monica to strengthen the laws, as I've said. And then the issue is who's funding uh, the pro and the con? Well, here's how it goes. When you have something like this, then it becomes obvious that money flows into those opposing it, and the money is easy to spot. Landlords, certainly. You've got uh, business interests, certainly. 
You know where that money's come from, and it's a lot of money, too. So who is on the other side? Normally, there isn't uh, a, a lot of political clout because you have organizations that really, there's not not a great constituency, although those against rent control are are relatively powerful under these circumstances. First of all, you have uh, long-term care workers, uh, SEIU Local 2015. Very powerful union. They've come out in uh, favor of rent control because of the working person. The AIDS Healthcare Foundation has uh, become a a big player. So individual donations, uh, they've got, uh, for the most part, uh, the liberal uh, opponents or proponents of these measures are the billionaires that they can get on board. Other than that, uh, you know, what, Prop 29, uh, the dialysis centers around the state where uh, Prop 29 says uh, we need more controls, uh, we need to regulate, and if you can imagine the dialysis centers say, oh, no, 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 we don't want that. And, by the way, it's going to fail because of the money that's being spent. How many dialysis patients have a uh, have political action committees, have uh, political money? Very, very few. So we're looking at that. Now, uh, what's going on in November election with the city of Los Angeles? For the first time that I can remember, the uh, city council election has become a big, big deal because of the scandal that broke with uh, uh, those racist uh, rants of Nuri Martinez uh, a year ago during that closed-door meeting uh, with two other council people and a head of the Labor Federation. Uh, he, Ron Herrera, resigned. Uh, Gil Cedillo doesn't matter. He's out in December. No one's pushing. Well, they're pushing, but it's not really important because he's done uh, in December. Uh, but uh, you've got Kevin DeLeon. He's, he is not going to resign. And we don't have until 2024 to vote him out. So why is this so important? Because none of them are running. None of uh, those uh, folks who have been demanded they resign, particularly, well, the big one is Kevin DeLeon. Uh, why Why does it matter? Because what it does is point out the corruption and points out the dissatisfaction and the disgust that we, the voters uh, in the city of L.A., have for the city council. I mean, frankly, no one's been very excited. No one votes. I mean, when's the last time you voted for city council person? How many people know who their city council person is? What city council district are you in? No one knows. No one pays attention. Uh, You vote for the Democrat because L.A. is a super Democratic town uh, or Uh, You just put the incumbent down because you haven't even paid attention. That's what normally happens. Uh, Not this time around. Not this time. And uh, uh, the uh, experts who are looking at this race coming up are saying that, uh, you know what? The progressives are going to win. Why is that such a big deal? And uh, why is there... uh, such importance to this race, city council races across the uh, city. Uh, Why? Well, look at what the progressives represent, what they want. Uh, Less policing, very anti-police, 
or at least the anti-police movement has a lot of influence on the progressive, the left-wing part of the party. Uh, more rent control, homelessness, that issue. Uh, Wednesday, I'm going to do, well, tomorrow I'm, I'm not here. So Wednesday, I'm going to do a story of uh, one of the most liberal cities in the country and which way they're going towards homelessness. And that's going to be, really? Yeah, that's coming up Wednesday. So we're going to be looking at uh, the progressives, those uh, people that are saying, well, homelessness, we have to take care of them no matter what. And uh, if there is uh, a, an encampment in front of your house or just down the street, hey, those people are more important than you are. That's a given. Uh, that's the kind of progressive that's going to have a lot more influence. And why are the progressives going to have so much influence? Because uh, they're not in power. Because a lot of people think they're so wild that they're just out of it. They don't get elected. Well, uh, look at the disgust factor now of incumbents, those people that are in uh, city council. It's a whole different view of uh, the political power of those in power. And when you think about it, uh, look at the disgust factor of uh, the three council people. And we're talking about beyond simply resigning. Nuri Martinez, Kevin DeLeon, Gil Cedillo, enormous power they had. And what committees did they run and which way did they actually move the council? Number one, staying in power. That was what uh, that conversation was about. The racist rants by Nuri Martinez was simply a sideline to what that meeting was about. It was simply her going squirrely and showing uh, the, you know, that part of her, the racist part of her. It was about redistricting. It was about staying in power because the three of them had enormous power. And the issues that they are looking at, homelessness, uh, that was one of the subcommittees that they were on, that they ran, ran. Housing. I mean, things that are very important. So uh, the experts or some experts who are looking at this are saying that establishment uh, candidates are not being looked at with much favor. The progressives are going to uh, come to the forefront, uh, forefront much more powerfully than they did before. And uh, we may be looking, we don't know which way it's going to go, but we may be looking at, and over the next uh, several years, a massive change in how this city is run. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because those in power are number one Democrats. Uh, they've been there for a while, which means they're part of the, the cabal, if you will, of city council. I mean, people are just tired of it. I mean, frankly, you know, voters are saying that's enough of those people. So now let's try. It was, it was like Bernie Sanders running for president. Come on. Really? Elizabeth Warren arguing we should go to the left. Come on. Really? 
People paid attention. Normally, people wouldn't pay attention. They're paying attention. Big time. Now, anti-Semitism has come back uh, here in Los Angeles with a vengeance. Now, there's always been anti-Semitism in the world, and I'll give you a little bit of history on it in just a second. Uh, L.A. has a big Jewish population. New York has a big Jewish population. But in the middle of the country, there aren't uh, many Jews. Uh, Florida, for example, has a huge Cuban population and my mother. Old Jewish yentas who uh, tell you you have to go to law school or medical school, otherwise your life is over. So, uh, you know, Jews are only 3% of the population. So what is going, and then anti-Semitism goes up and down, has uh, for thousands of years. Well, it's raised its ugly head again. Kanye West, also known as Ye, uh, has uh, attracted, uh, obviously, uh, harsh criticism, locked out of Instagram and Twitter, for comments he made online and TV inter, uh, interviews uh, because of uh, the conspiracies of uh, the Jews. And, um, well, uh, West comments have spurred demands. Uh, you should lose your lucrative uh, endorsements, and it doesn't matter. The guy, I think he's a billionaire. Uh, that's uh, So what does he really care? So here's what happened on the 405 freeway on Saturday. Got a bunch of people on the overpass giving Nazi salutes. Uh, and they had an, a banner on the overpass that read, Kanye is right about the Jews. Yeah. Even George Gascone uh, said, and to his credit, but it's uh, you would think everybody would say that, anti-Semitism cannot be tolerated, and he stands with the Jewish community. Also, residents found flyers at their homes on their cars, um, of course, uh, spewing racist, bigoted stereotypes. Uh, against both Jewish and LGBTQ people, too. That's in the crowd. And some of those flyers were calling COVID, the pandemic, part of the Jewish agenda. Okay, you got that one on me. And uh, other flyers uh, alleged that uh, the Biden administration, the LGBTQ rights movement, controlled by the Jewish people. And uh, there has been uh, a, uh, a philosophy uh, for many years among anti-Semites, uh, that show business is controlled by Jews. Well, a lot of Jews in showbiz. You know, the early, uh, a, a great deal of the movie studios, incidentally, uh, are Jewish-owned. Why? Because uh, at the turn of the last century, you had a bunch of Jews out of New York who had horrible jobs who figured out this movie business is good. They just grabbed onto it first. So therefore, the Jews control it, right? They control the media. And I've often said, if uh, the Jews control the media, wouldn't it be the first thing it would do is quash the rumor that the Jews control the media? I would. If I controlled uh, the media, Beverly Hills, uh, about 25 flyers blaming gun control on Jewish people. Uh, there's well, The authorities are tracking this down. Uh, but what Wes did... Uh, is he went, I think, on Twitter uh, and I think Instagram saying, uh, go death, uh, DEFCON 3 on Jewish people, capitalized Jewish people. 
And then uh, further anti-Semitic remarks in an interview with Tucker Carlson on Fox, which was not aired. Um, and remember, uh, he was criticized for wearing a White Lives Matter uh, T-shirt to his uh, runway show in Paris during pa uh, Paris Fashion Week. So why is there so much anti-Semitism in uh, the world? Well, it goes back, as I said, thousands of years uh, there's a lot of criticism about Jews being uh, calling themselves and being called by other the quote chosen people, and how dare you say that? Well, let me tell you about the chosen people. The chosen people. That reference is to God uh, deciding He's choosing who, what group is going to proclaim that there's monotheism. Happen to be the Jews. There's God going, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Let's find out who's going to be the people that uh, are proclaiming monotheism. And the bad luck is the Jews got it. It would have been much better if the Moonies got it or the Mormons got it. Then the world would be anti-Mormon, sort of. So monotheism, first group of people. And it's actually the reference to, quote, the chosen people. That's the big deal. Also, Jews not accepting Christ as the Savior, that's a tough one. Uh, look at the Inquisition, uh, fanatic Christians. Well, there's a, uh, well, the concept in Christianity, and I'm not saying, I'm saying a small, small group of Christians, but if you look at the New Testament, what does Christ say? I am the Word. That's me. That's not you if you don't believe in me. You're not going that, you're not going to the right door. You're going to go in the other door. When you die. Well, clearly, that translates into uh, the Jews denouncing Christ and being Christ killers. Because historically, that has a whole deal with it, with the, uh, the Hadrian. And I mean, it goes back historically where the Jews are being blamed for the killing of Christ. So there's tremendous anti-Semitism. And it has shown itself during the Inquisition. It has shown itself throughout history and has thrown, shown itself through the Roman era, uh, with the uh, Romans uh, back what, thousands of years ago. It has shown itself through the Holocaust, of course. So there's been a history, and what ends up happening when you see anti-Semitism, it runs very deep, very quickly because of the sensitivity. Uh, as uh, African Americans are super sensitive to the way they were treated in this com uh, in this country, and rightly so, uh, Jews in America and around the world are super sensitive to uh, the uh, the issue of anti-Semitism. By the way, the uh, the Jewish people have twice in their history had their own state that they could declare their own during the time of David going back, what, three, 3,500 years ago, and now, 1948, when the state of Israel was uh, proclaimed. So that's why the sensitivity, that's why the big deal, uh, and, and we're talking about a few dozen or a couple of hundred flyers. It runs deep and it runs hard. Now, uh, Georgia, uh, that song, as you know, Georgia is very... Uh, pro-life, anti-abortion. Georgia is one of those states that passed a law after Roe uh, that virtually, well, actually it does ban abortions because uh, after the electrical, um, after, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, where uh, the doctors can uh, 
I can actually view electrical activity in a fetus, which is actually about six months or six weeks, excuse me, uh, then that person is uh, then that person is a person. That fetus is now a human being. It's no longer a fetus after six weeks. And abortion is illegal. You can't do it. Okay. I mean, we know that. A lot of states are going in that way. But the unintended consequences of that are astronomical. Because look at that. Uh, a woman can't abort. Fair enough. Uh, she can't be held liable for her own abortion. But can she? She goes to another state. Is that conspiracy? That's not excluded. Uh, she can absolutely hold uh, a fetus as a dependent under Georgia law. So uh, if she purposely miscarries, if she purposely aborts, is that fraud? Eh, maybe. I mean, it goes on and on with uh, what uh, Georgia is uh, doing because it's simply un, uh, unintended. I mean, you can go all the way you possibly can. Here's one. Uh, you, there's an exception for miscarriage, for example, stillbirths. No one's responsible for that. Do you know what the difference is between uh, miscarriages and abortion? No one can tell. It is impossible. One is a crime, one is not. So what does that mean? That if a woman has a miscarriage, uh, the government has the right to go in and investigate it because it might be an abortion. So let's look at what she did. The wrong food? Didn't take care of herself? Now, there have been cases in which women were held responsible, but they were drug cases. Women that took meth, for example. Uh, took opiates uh, and really heroin really screwed up the kid. Um, most of those has been dismissed, except women of color. They've been nailed more than anything else, both in Georgia and other states. But the unintended consequences. I mean, it gives Georgia unlimited power to investigate whether a crime has been committed or not. Now, there's an exception, for example, to ectopic pregnancies. Thank you very much, because there's no chance that it's going to survive and the woman's life is in tremendous danger. So thank you for letting us say that one. But rape, incest, okay, but you can't abort unless the mother's life is in danger. And since you have a southern state have uh, doctors and a lot of them and you have prosecutors a lot of them and DAs a lot of them who believe that uh, a fetus is a human life which by the way I want to point something out even though I'm pro-choice I've often said the argument against uh, abortion is a legitimate one people have a moral issue with that but if you look at the argument against uh, abortion and pro-abortion you're talking two different arguments they're not the same one has to do with a woman's choice. One has to do with uh, whether a fetus is a human being. Uh, the two are different views of life. It's just that one affects the other. But all of these consequences in, in Georgia and other states are really coming to the forefront. So how is it going to be enforced? Well, the DAs and the sheriffs in each individual county is going to make the decision as to whether to prosecute or not. Some have said we'll absolutely prosecute. Others have said it's too difficult to prosecute. Others have said we'll take it case by case. But the reaction to this, and it really is a knee-jerk reaction to abortion, 
Uh, you know, it has not been well thought out. Bills have to be, in this case, have to be very, very specific. With the exceptions laid out and the consequences thought of. But it's so, uh, the broad brush is here. Roe gets overturned and all of a sudden uh, those that are pro-life just have, just, they've gone out of their minds. Let's do it with... Uh, Donald Trump. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, by the way, coming up at 930, do they have a case with uh, Wayne Resnick and me? Wayne back from uh, his trials and tribulations. So starting today, there is a fraud-related criminal trial going against the Trump organization, not against Donald Trump. And right now, jury selection is being done, and it's in Manhattan, and it's going to take a while. Why? Because uh, one of the main questions are being asked of potential jurors, uh, do you have any strong feelings about Donald Trump? Can you imagine people saying, nope, never heard of him, or no, no strong feelings, and the only people going to get on a jury are liars, as far as I'm concerned. So the Trump uh, organization is going on trial for alleged tax crimes. Big investigation into the company and its, in- its executives, Trump is not charged personally, but that's not to say he won't be. That investigation is still continuing uh, for uh, both civil and criminal charges against Trump. But we'll talk about uh, that uh, later on. So what is this about? Well, it's about uh, Trump, a subsidiary organization called Trump Payroll Corporation, and uh, the longtime chief financial officer, Alan Weiselberg, who has pled guilty He was the financial honcho that controlled all of it. In August, he pled guilty to 15 counts based on this fraud scheme, and it had to do with uh, perks that he and other executives got. Uh, It was all kinds of expenses paid. You got apartments, cars, and that's considered income and didn't declare income. So uh, he pled guilty to, I think, $1.7 million of uh, income that he didn't report. Could have gotten a lot of years. Could have gotten 15 years. He's going to do, I think, five months uh, as long as he cooperates. Cooperation means uh, that he has flipped. He is testifying against the organization and against uh, other executives. And here is uh, the big issue. And um, this is fascinating. Uh, The company is alleged under Weisselberg's supervision, to have maintained two sets of books. Now, if uh, the prosecutors come up with two sets of books, uh, that gets really interesting, because how do you explain that one? One of them uh, showing he received those perks And not showing them as income, not showing them that he got paid those, and another one saying, uh, well, let's just say none of that appeared. And he avoided a card of the government of uh, not paying $900,000 in taxes that he owed. So the government is relying on Weisselberg for the most part. Do I think uh, the corporation is going to go down? Yeah, I really do. Because the evidence seemed to be overwhelming. Uh, the uh, Trump organization and Weisselberg uh, were indicted in mid-2021. And that followed what, of course, uh, you would have expected and happened. 
this legal tug of war between Trump and the former DA, Cyrus Vance, over, and Cyrus Vance has a long history. I think he was former attorney general of the U.S. It is over subpoenas that were asking for Trump's personal and business tax returns, which, of course, uh, Trump refused to give up, went to court, fought it like crazy, went to the Supreme Court, which established that Trump, as a sitting president, as a sitting president, did not have immunity in state court matters. He was arguing that he had complete immunity and could not even be subpoenaed or brought in or records could be subpoenaed. Uh, Same argument uh, that he is making with uh, those documents taken from Mar-a-Lago. I declassify them because I thought about it, even though I didn't actually say it. I thought about it. And you can't do anything to me because as a former a former president, I have the right to those documents, even though the law says something else. It's really bizarre. And, of course, uh, that went to court, and that's going back and forth. So uh, interest in Trump's business practices uh, by New York law enforcement first generated 2019 because of Michael Cohen. Remember Michael Cohen, the fixer who flipped, went to prison, and he and uh, the former president got into it, and he f- and he flipped. Also, he is the main witness here, and based on what he said, or he's he's not the main witness, but it was based on what he said. The investigation started. Remember, he gave one hundred and thirty thousand dollars to porn actress uh, Stormy Daniels Daniels on Trump's behalf. Remember that story? Well, that's part of all this uh, too. You know, the settlement took place. You can't talk about uh, she had an NDA, non-disclosure agreement. Uh, it's just that, that's a wild story. So uh, what happens if the Trump organization, keep in mind this is a criminal trial, is convicted? Well, here's the worst part of it. Because corporations can't go to jail. All they can do is be fined. And so the Trump organization, the Trump uh, payroll organization can only be hit with $1.6 million in fines. Uh, that's it. No individual can be sent to prison at all. Now, the remaining part of the DA's criminal investigation is still focused on Trump and his practice of, uh, let's say, overvaluing his assets to deceive lenders to obtain more money and on favorable loan terms by using manipulated figures. Now, whoever doesn't believe that happened is, uh, well, I got to tell you, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're looking at reality in a different way than I am. Uh, Trump and the organization have been accused of duping insurance uh, companies about the extent of his wealth. And that I totally believe. There's a story when Forbes magazine was uh, rating the wealthiest people. They do that every year. And Trump was very upset that he wasn't rated higher than he was. He called them. And under a separate name, he said, what are you doing? Trump is far higher than that. I mean, the guy talks about his wealth. You know, for example, he said he's worth $10 billion during the run for presidency. Turned out he's worth between two and three, as if that isn't enough. Where Trump may get nailed is the overstating of his assets to lenders. Deutsche Bank is caught up in the middle of this, and he borrowed money from them. 
uh, simply lying about what he owes, what he is worth, overvalue, undervalue when it came to taxes, uh, all of which is criminal. Now, two things are going to happen as a result of that, or three things. Number one, as far as Trump followers are concerned, is two things. One, it is a witch hunt, much like uh, the former president says. It's an out-and-out political witch hunt. None of this is true. Or if it is true and his followers believe it is true, they don't care. They just don't care. Oh, it's, uh, it'll be a, uh, a total, uh, it, it will simply not be justice if he ends up being convicted. Either because we don't care, we love the guy, and he uh, should never be convicted under any circumstances, or um, it's a witch hunt, one or the other. I mean, it's crazy. It is. But this is just the start. Uh, you're going to see, I think you're going to see a conviction on this because the, uh, the evidence is simply overwhelming. And then it follows. And then the fun really starts. And then if he runs for president, which it will, and all of this is happening at the same time, can you imagine the fireworks? No matter how you feel about uh, the former president, I guarantee you history is going to look at him, uh, look at his presidency as the most unique, interesting presidency that we have ever had. Handle the morning crew, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.